Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, much change has gone on around you because much change has gone on in you. For there has been a positioning that has taken place over several years to get you in a place in which I can pour out of my spirit in such a way that it will cause great blessing to come into this house, but not only to come into this house, but this house might be a distribution center of the anointing, of revelation, of dreams and desires to even go to the world, of that which is of my kingdom to go forth into this city. So count yourself as blessed this day for being at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, but doing the right thing. For you need, you need to realize and recognize it's time to buckle up. It's time to get ready. It's time to expect like never before. For there are breakthroughs upon you. Even before this calendar year shall come to an end. The, break, the breakthrough shall be outstanding and overwhelming. And you shall say, surely the Lord has stepped into the dimension of being the God of exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And you will rejoice. And others will see it. And others will say, why is it not happening here? Or why is it not happening there? Because there must be a contention for that which is of God. And you have contended with that which I've given you financially. You have contended with the anointing that has been in this house. You have contended with the gifts and callings that are among you. And you have gone forth into the nations doing that which you could with that which I've given you. So it's fixing to all increase. It's fixing to all go to a new level. Being released prophetically this morning by the word of the Lord and the anointing that it brings. So rejoice and be glad that now is the time. Now is the time for it to happen to glorify Him and to bring relief from multitudes to multitudes that are suffering. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1, let's go back studying the subject of redemption. Now let me, let me say this, I want, let me say this, because I've taught on redemption all over the world here at Island Church. I love it, it's my favorite subject. I was trained by Pastor John Osteen not only Pastor John Osteen, Brother Kenneth Hagan, Brother Osborne, T.L. Osborne, Dr. Lester Summerall, some of the, 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 the wonderful ministry gifts of the 20th century, that, that all of them agreed on these four points. That every believer must know who they are, what they have, what they can do in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. And then they have to have the concept of faith. Everybody say faith. Because faith is what puts it all into operation or into manifestation. Now let me say this. In teaching on redemption, you're not going to get this whole thing downloaded into you. Now let me tell you why. Because if it was all downloaded into you at one time, you'd go crazy. I mean it. You say, what do you mean? If God took the light of His gospel by the Holy Ghost... And you sat right there at, at Island Church, and, and you may know a little bit about redemption. He just said, I'm going to show you the whole thing, boom, at one time. You, I tell you, you could, it just melts you right in your seat. 
So what he does, he gives you a little bit here, and he gives you a little bit there, and he gives you a little bit here. He's still giving me pieces to the, to the mystery. The Bible calls it a mystery, but it's revealed unto us. Amen. Uh, back, in the, back in the days of Moses and, and Joshua, uh, it says they longed to look into this. And God had reserved it for our day and our hour. But I, I, I begin to get little pieces. I mean, I mean, right after I came back to the Lord, little pieces. Little pieces there in Bible school. Little pe- and I tell you, I get pieces that make me so thrilled that I almost did something stupid. I mean, I was studying for a, for a series of meetings that Lee and I were fixing to do uh, in the high school cafeteria of Waianae High School on the west side of, of, of uh, the city of, uh, uh, what is it, Waianae, on the west side of, of the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And I had flown over to fast and pray three days and study the Word. She was going to meet me. I believe he flew in on a Thursday. And uh, uh, I was up in my hotel room. I was in Waikiki, up in a hotel room on the fourth floor. And the windows were open. I love those trades when they blow. I mean, it's just natural air conditioning over there. Just, just I love laying on the bed and just letting those trade winds blow on me. And I'd been studying redemption. And the Lord had showed me something out of Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm t- when I saw it, I started shouting. I started running around that room. I started praising God. I started glorifying God. I saw the window. I thought, I'm going to jump out the window. And right before I did, I remembered I was four stories up. So that wouldn't have been very smart. I can remember another time in Ireland studying the same subject and seeing something else in the Scripture and just thinking, oh my God, I've never seen that before. And the revelation of it hit me so hard, it was physical. Amen. I mean, I could literally physical feel that revelation hit me. That's how wondrous, that's how glorious the revelation of redemption is that you have a God that loves you so much. That even though mankind committed high treason against him, he redeemed us with his son, Jesus Christ. It is the greatest story ever told. And you can't get it intellectually. That's the problem problem with a lot of denominations. You know, most of our great uh, denominations in their theological schools barely even touch the subject of redemption. I heard of a professor of one of the large denominations say this, I wish I could tear the letters of the church out of the Bible. He said, if all there was was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we'd be fine because we can understand that. But those letters, I haven't got a clue what that guy's trying to say. That's because you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to understand some things about the spirit realm before you can understand redemption. Amen? Last week we started on creation. We saw that God came to the earth. The earth was here, but the Bible says it was void and without form. And we begin to see God in a revelation of who He is as being a being that speaks truth because that's who he is. So when he opens his mouth, truth comes out. Amen? He's not, he's not, a lot of people have this idea that, that God is so good that he just chooses never to lie. No, no, no. The Bible says he cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. He is truth. Everything that he says is truth and becomes reality. Now remember the little, little illustration I gave you. Truth is absolute, creative, and structured. Out of truth we have identity, which is our character, our value, and our uniqueness. Out of identity we have purpose, which gives us relevance, motivation, and it demands the grace or the ability of God working for us. Remember those simple things? Then we saw God putting the earth, what? Back into order. Giving us, giving the earth a purpose. What was the purpose of the earth? To house God's reproduction. 
Everybody say, I am. I am God's reproduction. We saw laws being established, the law of confession. We saw the law of seed time and harvest. We saw all these different laws being established as God put in order the earth and put his man in the earth. Now, out of man, God brought woman. Everybody say woman. Now, actually, the word woman is actually the man with the womb. That's literally what the Hebrew word means, is the man with the womb or the womb man. Amen? And when he made man and he made woman, he put a mandate upon them to replenish the earth. So we know that the law of seed time and harvest, which without it none of us would be here. You say, why not? Well, number one, we wouldn't have had parents who wouldn't have had parents who wouldn't have had parents. But if they just took it out of the earth and left it in humanity, you, never, you wouldn't have anything to eat. Seed time and harvest feeds us. Seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest puts a ba a bacon and eggs on the table. And grits on the plate. Leah likes grits, amen. So we see all this taking place in creation. And by the time it's finished in chapter 2, then we have the earth put back in order. It's got purpose. It's got function. It's got form. And you have two people who are God's children, God's offspring, placed in the garden in order to replenish the earth. Everybody with me? Not only that, the man in his intelligence and a structured intelligence that he had was naming all of the animals. He tended the garden. Not only that, God took him down to the different rivers and showed him what gold was, showed him what diamond was, diamonds were, showed him what precious jewels were, and literally showed man what the wealth of the planet was. Amen? So everything looks great. No sickness. No death. No war. No prejudice, no nothing but glory and blessing and righteousness and goodness on the planet. Then we get to chapter 3. So let's go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, book of Genesis. Now there's so much in this, we're going to take our time. I'm not in a hurry to do this. I know our Fall Harvest Conference is coming up. We'll pick this up afterwards. But I'm not, I want you to get these things. Now listen, I like what one preacher said years ago. He says, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. It's not till you see who you be till, it, till you will change what you do. I know that's not good grammar. But a lot of people don't understand their origin. And if you don't understand your origin, you never understand your destination. How we began is relevant to how we end. Amen? Now notice... Chapter, well, verse 1, chapter 3. Now the serpent. Everybody say the serpent. Now the serpent was one of the uh, created uh, animals that God had put uh, uh, into the earth. Now the serpent was more subtle, more crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. Now notice this next phrase. And he said unto the woman. Now we got a problem. I mean everything was good. All the way through chapter 1, all the way through chapter 2, and actually the first part of, of chapter 3, the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. Okay, he's smart, he's crafty. But then, and he said, everybody say he said. Now, there, now we have a problem. You say why? Because God created man in his likeness and his image, and God is a God that speaks things into existence, so he made you a being that speaks things into existence. 
So no other, no other entity on the planet after God's creation had the right to say. So something illegal is going on here. Are you with me? If a serpent is speaking, something illegal is going on. You say, you know, my dog gave me a prophecy the other day. I'm telling you. <laughs> you better be careful. Because that dog ain't supposed to be talking. You say, what? God did not put the ability for animals to assimilate thought and transmit it. We got a parrot, but he just mimics us. He just, he's just a parrot. He parrots us. Amen. But you've got to understand, it is illegal for a snake to talk. Now, it's not that this man and woman were unprepared. You say, well, God God just put them down there and, and gave them the garden and everything was great and good, but they never knew the snake was coming. Oh, yes, they did. God gave them a command. He put two, two trees in the garden. He said, there's the tree of life. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I command you, do not eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Then he said, take dominion. Take dominion. Over the fowl of the air, over the fishes of the sea, and every creeping thing. What was he saying? Snake's coming. Snake's coming. Snake's coming. Amen. And so here you have another entity, another spirit being. We'll talk about him a little later. This is literally Lucifer, Satan, a fallen angel from heaven that is in the earth literally getting into an animal and speaking. That's what it is. I mean, let's just say it for what it is. He, it is not legally legal for him to do it. He did not have the right to do it. But remember this about your adversary. He is criminal in nature. You may be suffering symptoms in your body. He doesn't have the right to do it. You have the right to be healed. He's illegally doing what he's doing in your body. It's illegal. Somebody's got to enforce the law of the spirit of life against the law of sin and death. And that's us. Amen. Now notice. He said, here's another problem. He said unto the woman. You say, what did he do? He went around the authority that God had placed in the garden. Now listen, ladies, this is not a negative thing that a woman is, 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 the man was made first and the woman made second. The Bible calls the women the finer vessel, the more elegant vessel, the more, the vessel like fine china uh, that you'd keep up on your cabinet or something like that. That's the, that's the woman and God put man over the woman in that way. He's like Tupperware. That's why husbands, you need to cover your wives. I said, you need to cover your wives. You say, why? Well, if you don't cover your wives spiritually, then there'll be things that will chip away at that fine china. Amen. It's not that we're, Lord, you submit to me, woman. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd try that with Leah. Yeah, right. That worked real well, wouldn't it? So he usurps spiritual authority. He always goes around spiritual authority. You say, why? Because Adam had the right to say, hey, what are you doing talking to my woman? What are you doing talking in the first place? Come on, church. So he said to the woman, everybody say to the woman. He said to the woman, hath, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now notice, what he does, he has never changed. He came to the woman based on the revelation of the Word of God 
challenging the Word in her life. That's why when the enemy comes to you and you wake up in the morning with a sore throat and then he says, you got the flu, he's challenging by his stripes you were healed. That's why when you have a month when, when it seems like you're not going to make it financially, but you've been given and tithing and offered, the enemy comes to you and says, see, that stuff doesn't work. You ought to say, devil, you're a liar. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your He challenges the word. Now let me tell you why. Because the word is the only thing that's a threat to him. A word, the Word keeps Him in check. The Word keeps Him in place. The Word keeps Him under our feet. And the Word keeps your foot on His neck. Amen. Now notice what it says. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now let me ask you a question. Is that what God said? God did not say, least you die. In the Hebrew, it means, that word least means, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know, I'm not sure. But Jesus said, in the, I mean, excuse me, God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That means absolutely, without question, you shall die. Actually, it says it like this. Absolutely, without question, in dying, you shall die. Amen? Now, he wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death, separation from God. Because that was the ultimate goal of the adversary, was to get man to fall and man to sin so that he could take this whole thing over. Now notice this. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, uh, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. Now, what is that? Anybody know? That's an absolute lie. That shows you what a lie is right there. That's a lie. You shall not surely die. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. A lie. For God know that the day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be open. You shall, you shall, see, you shall be as gods, uh, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave to her husband with her and he did eat. Everybody say, with her. Now, now Adam, I'm not going to be mad at Eve because the spiritual authority of the earth was standing there right next to her letting this happen. Why he didn't do something, I don't know. But listen. Number one, here comes the adversary challenging the word. Number two, notice what the scripture says again. You've got to see this. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The enemy is trying to paint a picture of God that does not release humanity in its, into its full potential. I'm going to tell you what God's like. He put two trees there. He told you not to eat one because he knows the day you eat it, you're going to be just like him and he's doing everything he can do to hold you back, to keep you back, to make you some kind of a robot, to make you something that you don't want to be. I'm telling you, it's all a big scam and that's exactly how the enemy talks to people today. I mean, even in churches, even in Well, you know, that preacher's trying to hold you back. That church is trying to hold you back. That's denial. Listen, ain't nothing can hold you back if you go on with God. 
I mean, that is one of the ultimate deceptions in the body of Christ. That's why so many people have left the body of Christ because they think being part of a church holds them back spiritually. But I'm telling you, Jesus is still coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle because in the church you have what? You have purpose, you have destiny, you have structure, you have identity. That's why the enemy doesn't want you in the church and the enemy doesn't want you married. You say, why? Because those two institutions of God provide that which God wants you to have in order for you to fulfill your full potential. God is for you, not against you. He did eat. Everybody say, did eat. And her husband with her. They did eat. And the eyes of them both were open. Now notice this. You say, were they blind? No. Their spiritual eyes were open. Their physical eyes only viewed what was natural. But when they sinned, their spiritual eyes closed and they perceived everything with their natural eye. That's the way man is today. Man does not see things spiritually. You did not see anything spiritually till you got born again. When you got born again, the Bible says it is the God of this world that blinds the eyes. You did not see spiritually until you got born again. People always say, you know, they go out and take some drug, think they had some spiritual experience. No, you didn't. So I took four hits of acid and saw God. You didn't see God? No, you didn't. I'm telling you, I had a spiritual experience. No, you didn't. You had a soulish or you had a fleshly experience. What you really had was a feeling, and you thought that feeling was spiritual. Amen? I don't know who that was for, but it'll help you if you listen to it. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked. Everybody say naked. Now, they didn't go, oh, wow. You're naked. Mankind, now notice this, mankind. All of the creation of God is clothed how? You ever caught a fish? Now, my fish that I catch, I've cleaned them for so many years. You know, I just, I got a real sharp fillet knife, sharp as a scalpel. And I can just, I can make one cut down that speckled trout, flip him over, make one more cut. I got to take his skin and scales off. I go duck hunt and kill a, kill, kill a nice uh, fat pintail that Lee and I want to roast. I, I got to pull all his feathers off. Every animal in God's creation is clothed from the inside out. They produce their covering from the inside out. Man was the same way. Man produced his covering from the inside out. The glory of God was in him. The righteousness of God was in him. The blessing of God was in him. The authority of God was in him. And he clothed himself from the inside out. When you saw man, if you could have seen man in the garden, you would have seen a light being walking around. It would have looked like light walking around in a physical body. There would have been an aura. There would have been some type of manifestation of the glory of God to let you know that this is God's creation right here. This is who God has put on this earth to have dominion over this earth. He has put this person in authority over this earth. This is the person right here. Amen. But they sinned. And the eyes of them both were open. Actually, the word naked is the word uncovered. They were now uncovered. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, they took what? Exactly what man has been doing since the fall. Covering himself, not with the creator from the inside out, but covering himself with creation from the outside. 
We have to do it. You say, how, why do we have to do it? Because we see each other naked without clothes. You say, no, come on, that, that, that really doesn't. Yes, it does mean something. That was never the intention of God for man to be clothed from the outside. He always wanted his man clothed from the inside. But now we've got we to go out and buy us a coat. We've got to get us a shirt. We've got to buy a dress. We've got to get, we gotta do it. We've got to cover ourselves. That's exactly what man was doing in the garden. We're no longer covered. We're no longer covered. We're naked. We've got to cover ourselves. So we see the first manifestation of the fall is shame. It's shame. That's what it is. They were ashamed the way they perceived one another. Instead of bringing blessing, instead of bringing glory and honor to God, it produced what? It produced shame. And if you've noticed, we're 2,000, uh, uh, 6,000 and something years from the fall. Listen, shame has been used in the earth for years and years, but now there's so little shame in the earth that there's barely anything that man won't do. Amen? I was listening. <laughs> I shouldn't tell this. I was listening to a sheriff. I was over at Altice. I'd been hunting, and a, and a sheriff, he's a young sheriff, he was d- d- dispatched by the Chambers County uh, Sheriff's Department to go down the beach. If you go up Highway 87, Highway 87 turns and turns into 124 and goes up to Winnie. Well, if you keep going straight, there's no road. But apparently, down that road, about eight or ten miles, a bunch of people have gone down there and created a nudist colony. No shame. So they sent this young sheriff down there to shut it down. He said, you know, I was driving down there. He said, I had this idea of, you know, all these beautiful women and handsome men. He said, I drove there. He said, a bunch of old people out there all naked and wrinkled. He said, it scared me. I turned around and came back. (laughs) He said, I told my boss, you go down there and tell them not to do that anymore. It scared me. (laughs) Amen. Them people ain't got no shame. But thank God that one sheriff had so much shame in him, he turned around and drove back. <laughs> I notice the next verse. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. That is literally what we are beginning to experience now in the Scriptures. It's what is what's called man's condition in Adam. Everybody say in Adam. He's he's, he's full of shame. He's got to cover himself. And although he can hear the voice of God, when he hears the voice of God, he hides himself in creation. Amen? Now notice this. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. Now notice this one. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now here's the next one we have. We got shame. Everybody say shame. Now we got fear. Where'd fear come? God, God's going, you were what? You were what? Now let me just say something because there's so much controversy in this scripture right here. Well, God knew what they were going to do. God knew who they had followed. Well, if that's true, then there's an element of deceit in God right here. But we've got to understand something about creation. Creation was so complete in what God did and he gave all the authority of creation over to man that he said, okay, I'm God in heaven with a big G and you're the little God of earth with a little G. Now you take care of earth and I'll take care of heaven and I'll come down in the cool of the day and I'll commune with you. You already know what to do. I've given you your assignments. 
You're to replenish the earth. You're to tend the garden. You're to do all these things. You've got your assignments. You've got your instruction. You've got your job title. Now you just take care of the earth. I'll take care of the heaven. We'll come down and commune together and my family will grow. So he came down going, where's my man? Where's my womb man? Where you at, Adam? Where you at? And he says, I heard your voice. Thank God we still have the ability to hear his voice. But what did he do? He hid himself amongst the trees. Now notice this. For I was afraid. God did not create us with fear. Fear was transferred. Now, shame and fear are transferred from the, in, from the enemy of man and God into humanity. You say, where does it come from? It comes from Lucifer. It comes from Satan, who when he fell and got caught in his insurrection in heaven, was shamed and with fear cast out of heaven. The Bible says, God, man, and I read these goofy things about this war in the heavenlies that went on for eons of time. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That means, I mean, when he messed up, God threw him out of the word of God, threw him out of heaven so fast, it looked like lightning hitting the ground. And what happened? Well, darkness hit the earth. But now we're starting to see that there's been a transfer. Now everybody say transfer. Say transfer. Now hang on to that word because it's going to be important in the, in the teaching to come. Because there was a transfer that has affected you. There, has, there was a transfer that has infected you. But I got good news 2,000 years ago. There was another transfer. Hold on, my time's up. Let me, let me finish this. He said, who told thee thou, hast, thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I have commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now notice, this is, this, you, want, you, want the, you want the way it is? Okay, here's the way it is. The man said, the woman whom thou gavest me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now notice the two words. The woman, that's really not the issue, whom you gave me. Everybody say blame. I'm telling you, our nation, so much of our nation has become a nation of blame and victimization. Ain't my fault. Ain't my fault. Ain't my fault I robbed the bank. Ain't my fault I sell dope. Ain't my fault I... No, listen, listen. That is a sign of the fall. The blame was the final card that fell that moved us into the nature of the adversary of man, Satan. Man's condition in Adam is talked about in Psalms, it's talked about in Ephesians, it's talked about in Romans, then it talks about there's none that seeketh God. No, not none. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's nothing good about the human race anymore. Now see, that's where we get into conflict many times. Because there are good people in the human race. I mean really good people. But the issue is not God somehow making bad people good. Remember what happened in the fall. The ultimate result of the fall was death. Remember the first scripture we read out of Romans chapter 5. Through one man, sin entered to the world. And by sin came death. Everybody say death. And what is death? We talked about it. Death is the cessation of life. I mean, death is not the cessation of life. Death is separation when it comes to humanity. Every funeral I've ever preached, I've made this statement. And people look at you like you're crazy. You were not created to die. You were not created to die. Your spiritual 
the spiritual you, the real you on the inside, was not created by man to be separated from your physical body. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then don't go to hospitals. Don't take medication. Don't fight for your health. I mean, if it's just natural to die, let's just all roll over and die. But it is not natural to die. Humanity itself fights death with everything in it. It looks for cures. It looks for ways. We try to, we try to create longevity in our life. We do everything we can do. And I'm telling you, if somebody is, is breathing their last breath, we'll fight for one more and one more after that. And they'll come and try and revive you. And they'll do this and that, doing everything they do to stave off death because death is the enemy of humanity. And spiritual death came into humanity. Humanity was shamed, naked, full of blame, and full of fear. And everything wrong with this world that has gone on in the last six, every, every, every murder, every rape, every war, everything stolen, every lie, all, all the sickness, all the famine, all the disease, goes right back to Genesis chapter 3. That's where it all started. Now let me say this and I'll close. If you could define the sin committed, it would be called high treason against God. And, and really the only way to understand it is this. There are people in our nation that are in a position to commit the crime of high treason. But all things being equal, it ain't any of us. Amen. We don't have the, we don't have the position. We don't have the authority. We don't have the information. We don't have any. But Adam was. Adam was the prototype. He was the fountainhead of all humanity. Every white man, every black man, every Hispanic man, every Asian man, you name it, it all came out of Adam. He was the fountainhead of humanity. Now, here at, here at Island Church, if, if you uh, uh, so uh, are, are inclined and like something that we teach or preach, you can go back to, to a little room uh, around the other side of this door. We call it the CD room. And in the CD room, one of the laws of Genesis is practice. You say, what is it? Reproduction. Now, they've got a machine up here, and they're, they're, they're picking up my words as I teach. And what they'll do is they'll take the master copy. Everybody say, master copy. And they'll take it back there and they'll put it on, on a place on that reproduction machine where the master copy goes and they'll push a button and it'll produce, well, how many, how many, one, four or eight? Ten. Ten. Ten copies will come off. And they will be exact copies of that master copy. Are you with me? Now, say you go and, and, and you, you, you get a copy of today or Wednesday night or some speaker that you enjoyed at Fall Harvest Conference and, and you go get a CD and you put it on and you, and you say... You know, there, uh, there was three minutes and the other one there. What happened? And so you go back and you say, I need you to fix my CD. Well, the, really the problem's not in the CD. It's in the master copy. Because really all the CD is is a reproduction of the master copy. Now, Adam and the woman were the master copy. And they were put on the copy machine. Boom. They stepped out of light into darkness. They stepped out of life into death. And in that state, they began to reproduce. And reproduce, and reproduce, and reproduce. And God had to destroy it one time. And reproduce, 
and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce until 2,000 years ago. God sent a brand new master copy. The last Adam. Wherefore, as by one man's sin, much more by one man's obedience unto righteousness, we can be what? Born again out of the human family into God's family. Greatest story ever told. Greatest miracles ever happened on the planet. That God would have such a plan that would take so many years and so many actors and so many people and so much drama to get you out of spiritual death and get you into spiritual life so that you can be born again and be in the family of God. So, don't get mad at sinners. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, we were by all, by nature, children of wrath, even as others, who, who for our whole lives before being born again were, were subject to the desires of our mind and the lust of our flesh, and were by nature children of who? Children of not God, because it wasn't God, it was Satan that got into humanity. So it was his nature that reproduced over and over and over. That's why all of the wars, all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the horrible things that have gone on, do not ever blame God for it. It's God that redeemed us from it. Isn't that great? And he did it through his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus is so important. Amen? You love the Lord? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord Jesus. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Father. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessings, the blessings of Abraham might come into our lives. That we might be partakers of the Spirit of God by faith. Hallelujah. Every hand down for just a moment. Every head bow, every eye closed, just for a second. You had no choice when it came to the first copy machine. <laughs> Someone made that choice for you. You were born into the human family. Maybe you were born a man, maybe you were born a woman. Maybe you were born white, Hispanic, African, Asian, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Jesus said you must be born again. He said, well, if the first master copy was flawed, how do I get myself fixed? You have to adhere to the last Adam. You make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You make Jesus the new master copy of your life. And the reproduction process will start again. And you will be reproducing, not after the way you were born, but after the way you were born again. Instead of reproducing fear and death, and reproducing shame, and reproducing hate and prejudice, and reproducing all types of negative things, you'll start reproducing righteousness, and joy, and peace, and prosperity, and healing, and blessing. But the one force we did not talk about, and I waited till the end of the service, to talk about it. That is the force of your choice that God will never violate. You had no choice of your first birth, but you have to choose to be born again. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I've never been born again. I've never 
given my life to Jesus. I've never allowed that redemptive process to take hold in my life. But I want to this morning. Or you say this, Pastor, I've done that. I've gotten saved. I've been born again. But I'm just not in fellowship with God right now. I've gotten away from Him. I've strayed from the things of God. I'm living more after my first birth than I am after my new birth. I need to return to God today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Because it's as simple as a one prayer to get you back on the right track. That's all it takes is one prayer. One prayer of faith. One prayer of consecration. One sincere prayer in your heart. You say, well, I don't know if it worked. It worked for me. It'll work for you. Amen. Father, we bless you this morning. Thank you for a wonderful service for these wonderful people. Father, we bless them, we pray over them, and we covet them for the move of God. Father, we thank you that as we leave today, our faith is in you. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your safety. We declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, Lord God, we declare over Island Church, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are protected of God in the righteous labor of our hands. Might be medical, might be educational, might be up in the oil field, oil patch, might be in construction. Whatever it is, whatever we do, we say no accidents, no trauma, no terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, for that door of utterance, especially these next two weeks. Put a desire in our heart. Lord, every one of us know people that are discouraged. Every one of us know people that are not born again. Every one of us know people that need to be in a local church doing the will of God. Whatever their offense may be, whatever their hurt may be, empower us, give us the door of utterance that we may boldly speak and bring healing, bring blessing, bring restoration, and bring unity to men and women that need it in these next two weeks. Lord, we thank you as we leave today. We can walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.